What's up, you guys? Welcome back to the podcast. Today, we are talking about 11 money secrets that are going to change your life. Inside of this episode, I'm going to pull some quotes and concepts from different people that I've learned from or read from, people like Warren Buffett, Tony Robbins, Alex Hermosi, Ramit Sethi, Wayne Dyer, and many others. I have consumed lots of money and wealth content over the years, and I continue to believe that this is some of the most valuable mindset information that we can spread far and wide. So I'm excited to bring you another episode where we're going to be diving into this type of content. I've created multiple programs around these concepts and helped hundreds of women double, triple, even quadruple their salaries, attract abundance in various forms, build lucrative and profitable businesses, manifest money in unexpected ways, lean into luxury and their worthiness around wealth, and finally feel safe and calm and free in their relationship with money. So these concepts and money secrets are close to my heart because there's a big foundation and cornerstone of my work where, you know, the mindset and the subconscious reprogramming and the business building, it all sort of meets at this one hub when we get to talk about like wealth and money and how to build more of that for ourselves and to become the vibrational match to attract it into our lives. And so in this episode, we are going to be talking about some of the greatest money secrets, kind of in quotes, secrets by secrets, I mean, you know, beliefs, facts, mindset shifts that are really just going to help you get into vibrational alignment with money. So if you are down for that, buckle up and let's dive into this episode. Welcome to the Makeshift Happen podcast. I'm your host, Samantha Daly, entrepreneur, life coach, and your no BS bestie, here to bring you all things mindset, manifestation, and personal development. This podcast is designed to help you expand your mind and up-level your life. So turn the volume up and roll the windows down if you're coming along for the ride. Let's go make shift happen. Starting off with money secret number one. This one you may have heard before, but I love this analogy. And so this money secret is simply that money is a neutral resource. And the analogy that I like to use for this relates to oxygen and breathing. And so money is like oxygen for a couple of different reasons. One is that, you know, we need it to survive in today's day and age in the world. Money is one of those resources where you can't have food and shelter and clean water and all the things that you need to survive if you don't have money. So money is like oxygen because we need both of them for survival. And the other reason that money is like oxygen is because it is constantly coming in and out of our lives just like the breath. So you can't only take inhales for the rest of your life. If you're like, oh, I just want all this oxygen. You can't just only take inhales, right? You have to exhale in order to take your next inhale. So 
you've got to let some of that go in order to create space for more or the next. And the same can be said for money, right? So you have to spend money to make money. That's a common statement that we've all heard before, but it's because it's this constant energetic exchange that we are participating in that flows in and flows out just like the breath, right? But breathing is much less emotionally charged than money if you think about it, right? Like they're both resources. They're both foundational for survival. Both of them have to flow in and flow out. We have to let them go in order to receive them back. But breathing doesn't seem as emotionally charged, right? We haven't created a scarcity mindset around there not being enough oxygen to go around or needing to conserve all the oxygen or trying to hoard it like, oh my God, I'm just going to take a big breath and then hold it (laughs) and don't let it go because I need it. And what if I exhale and then there's none left? But we operate in that way with money, right? If you're following the analogy. With breathing, also, we don't have stories about the other person in the room who seems like an oxygen hog because they're taking really deep breaths over there and being selfish with the air, right? Like, don't they know people like us, we need to breathe too. Why are they not sharing this resource of oxygen more? Why are they not regulating and and taking less deep of breaths, right? We don't feel guilty when we are sharing or exchanging air with someone else like oh my god I just took some of their oxygen I feel so sleazy and weird now and I feel bad for taking it from them and oh my gosh they probably didn't even want to give it to me like I wonder what they think of me now did I take too much do I even deserve this much Yet this is how we operate when it comes to money a lot of the times, right? Either consciously or unconsciously. And so the reason I love this analogy so much is that it really paints the picture of how silly it is a lot of the times the way that we have such an emotional charge with money. Because if we could be, if we could just be as chill and neutral with money as we are with breathing, I think so much would change not only for ourselves on an individual level, but also for the world on a collective level, right? And so one of the best things that we can do is take the emotional charge out of money and realize that it is simply a tool, it's a resource, we all need it, and it's our job to figure out how we can put ourselves in the flow of it. So there's money secret number one. It's a neutral resource. It's just like oxygen. Let's stop making it so emotionally charged. Number two is that we remain at the level of abundance that we are prepared for. Meaning, if you don't learn the lessons that your current financial state is trying to teach you, you won't be able to climb the abundance ladder. A lot of the times being broke or stuck in cycles of not having enough is actually trying to teach us something important so that we can move up to the next level, right? And sometimes being broke or stuck in cycles of not having enough is, of course, related to oppression and discrimination and other factors. But for those of us who this feels applicable to right now as you're listening to this, It's just, this is a reminder of like, if you never learn the lessons that your current state is trying to teach you, how are you going to get to the next level? 
right? And so maybe you've heard this before, but there's this um, way of kind of viewing life or the world or business or anything really as a video game of sorts. And so you're in this game and you've got to find your way to the next level. If you keep making the same mistakes over and over and over again, if you keep slipping on the same banana or going around the same curve in the wrong way and crashing into the wall, you're going to stay at that same level. You've got to get creative, innovative, learn from your mistakes and find your way to improve so that you can upgrade yourself into that next level of the video game. And that's exactly what we're doing in life, in business, in relationships, all of it. And so looking at it in that way, rather than this being like a, oh, you know, poor me that I have to learn these lessons so that I can get to the next level, what bullshit, it's we're gamifying it, right? And we're making it kind of more exciting and bringing in that curiosity and that playfulness of like, okay, well, this is where I am and these are the cards that I've been dealt and these are the resources that I have access to right now. And these are the connections that I have. And these are the people that I know. And this is what I'm learning online for free. And what can I do with all of these things to help me get to that next level of the video game, that next level of my life, right? And so if we think about the fact that we're going to remain at this same level of abundance because this is what we're prepared for, we have to learn these lessons so that we can get to that next level. You might be like, okay, well, what are the lessons, right? Just tell me, like, what do I need to learn? So often that's our energy. Like, well, just tell me what I need to learn and then I'll study it and I'll learn it and I'll get to the next level, right? And so a lot of the lessons that you probably need to learn, you're being slapped across the face with them over and over and over again. It's just about opening your eyes and starting to see your life in this way so that you have an expanded level of awareness of like, oh, okay, so every time I get into a relationship, this happens. Or every time I talk about money, this happens. Or every time I go back and I visit my parents and we talk about my job or my career or my finances, this happens. Or I have these reoccurring triggers, right? The lessons are there. They're already there for you. So I can't tell you on a you know personal specific level what you are meant to learn right now, but some of these lessons for a lot of us could be things like saving at a basic level investing in yourself and trusting money to come back, right? Going back to number one, money being that energetic exchange that flows in and flows out. A lot of us are being asked to learn the lesson of how to let money go in some ways. Other lessons are, you know, responsible budgeting and not being afraid to look at your money, right? You can't effectively budget or plan or create a plan for your business, right? Or a growth plan for the finances of your business if you're still afraid to look at the money and get serious about the money or set up your business bank account finally or open your banking app to see what's going on in your savings or with your retirement or to actually set up the retirement fund that you've been procrastinating and postponing owning, right? Maybe it's becoming comfortable with just talking about money or asking for money. So many of us have issues and wounds and awkwardness around asking for money, even when it's money that we are owed, right? Sometimes, especially when it's money that we're owed, but asking for money can be multiple things, not just like, hey, you owe me $20 from when we went to the bar and you said you would Venmo me and then you didn't. But it could also be asking for money in terms of, you know, having those deeper financial conversations at the workplace or if you need to ask for a raise or negotiate, that is all encompassed under asking for money, right? Maybe the lessons that you're asking to learn at this level, you're being asked to learn at this level is about like managing more money or holding more money, right? Money being you being a safe place for money where it can land and it feels like there's a 
there's a direction for it. There's a purpose for it. There's a plan for it. We know what's happening with it. And it's not that we can't spend it, but it's also that there's some organization, there's some forethought, there's some safety in the container that we've created out of our lives for money to flow into, right? Other lessons, simple things like changing your mindset about money or changing your language and your behavior around money, right? The lessons are infinite, but this money secret is just a reminder of, hey, like we're going to remain at the level of abundance that we're prepared for. And so it's an opportunity for us to look at what are the lessons that I'm being asked to learn at this current phase of my life or my career or my business or my finances? What am I being asked to learn? What would the next level look like? Where do I feel like I'm still holding myself back? Where is there more work to do? And can I get curious enough and gamify that enough that I actually want to do that work and prepare myself to be able to receive more money? Number three, think once before investing, think twice before spending. This one is kind of self-explanatory, but investing is obviously going to give you a return of some kind in the future. At least we hope that it does. I think in most cases, whether it is um, direct like financial return or it's the return of a lesson or a skill or a connection, right? Maybe it's a skill that's going to increase your earning capacity or you're establishing important contacts or relationships that could be valuable in the future in terms of collaborations or someone helping you get a job or getting a foot in somewhere or what, or be finding someone that maybe you want to hire for your business or whatever the case may be, or just in general, the fact that when you invest in something, it typically compounds an in interest over time. Whatever the case is, we're probably going to get a return of some kind when we invest, right? Whereas things that you just simply buy, you, those things typically depreciate in value over time, right? Cars, material goods, like whatever it is. And, and they're never really going to give you an ROI because they're things that are just simply either consumed or used up or they depreciate until they are consumed or used up, right? So this is kind of the idea behind like think once before investing. Yes, you want to think about it, but you don't need to think that hard because there's an ROI. Think twice before simply spending on things because that's stuff that you don't get a return on. Things that have uh, felt really fun for me, but were actually investments like it kind of felt like oh I'm just spending this money and it's not a necessity so it must just be something that I want to buy for myself but in actuality they were investments were things like the two things that come to mind is like coaching containers or mentorship in general but then also retreats is a really a good one a good example that comes to my mind because it's like a trip. And so it feels like it's almost this luxury experience. You know, you're going to consume it. You're going to use it up. There's no real need for it. It's just a desire. It's almost like we picture these things as if they're like cherries on top, extras for when we have all of the leftover money that we can just put towards it. But in reality, those retreats or coaching containers or mentorship um, things that I joined, there was an extreme ROI on them. They felt fun. They felt maybe frivolous at the time of like, ooh, this is this is an extra and this is something that I just get to do. It felt like spending money, but it was actually investing money, right? Because the ROI was so strong on those things. It was just undeniable the value that I was able to get out of them. 
moving forward in my life and in my business. You know, I made business connections. I connected with future clients. I built relationships that turned into collaboration opportunities. I received divine downloads on retreats for my next steps in life, my next steps in my relationship, my next big business ideas, which of course then ultimately led to more financial opportunities and fulfillment. So even though some things can feel like you're just spending money, you're actually investing it. And the ROI on that moving forward can have massive, massive financial benefits for you. So think once before investing, think twice before spending. And the caveat to that is reconsider what you viewed as spending versus investing and recognize that a lot of the things that feel fun and it feels like just an extra, sometimes those actually are really, really powerful investments that you're making. Number four, which is a classic, classic manifestation principle. When you need nothing, you attract everything. Unfortunately, it means that money often flows to those who need it the least because their energy is unattached, which means that they have the most leverage, right? And so when we talk about leverage, think about a negotiation situation, right? The person at the table in a negotiation who is most willing to walk away because they don't need the deal to go through. They're not dependent on this deal. They're not like this deal is going to make or break my life or career or my investment portfolio. They don't actually need this deal. They have the most power in that negotiation and is the most, they're the most likely to walk away with more money at the end of it in their pocket because the other person, the other guy in the negotiation is the one that like wants them, needs them to say yes. And in that way, we'll have to be willing to bend or to meet some of the the terms of the other person because they really need the deal and they really want to close, right? And so the less that you need it, the less attached that you are, the more likely you are to have more power, more leverage and attract more money, right? So when we think about this in terms of, you know, needing nothing is what attracts everything, It's also just a reminder that practicing gratitude and non-attachment are some of the best ways to become more magnetic to money, right? So if you're like, oh, great, like (laughs) needing nothing attracts everything. Well, fuck, you know, there's things that I need, right? We get it. And that's so real for all of us. And I think this is something that so many of us struggle with is how do we get into the energy of non-attachment? How do I pretend or convince myself that I don't need it when I truly do? And so this, I don't want this money secret to be like discouraging of like, yeah, the person who has the most money and who doesn't need the deal is going to have the most power and the most leverage. And they're probably going to continue to attract the most, most wealth because the rich keep getting richer. But there is some truth to those things. However, I think the silver lining or the light at the end of the tunnel of this is understanding the way that we go about that is simply by reconnecting to the gratitude of what we already have and what is here for us and the non-attachment of, you know, maybe it's not needing nothing. We all need things, right? But it's not needing everything right now. 
And that's a big thing that a lot of people can implement as you're listening to this, just thinking about, wow, yeah, I've had this energy where it's like, I want everything. I want all of the success. I want all of the money. I want all the abundance. I want all of the freedom. I want all of the positivity, all of the fulfillment. I want all of that for my life right now. And so maybe you needing nothing or being less attached looks more like, not needing nothing at all ever. Of course we have needs, but it's like simply backing down from the extremes of wanting everything and wanting it all now and being able to look at your life as this like long-term experience of climbing the mountain and reaching the peaks and then finding new mountains and looking at it as this journey of, yeah, there's things that I need, of course, but I don't need all of it right now. And I'm going to find my way there. And if I can stay in this energy of gratitude and just not complete non-attachment to everything, but just less attachment, how can I become just a little bit less attached to all of the desires needing to come true right now at this moment and allowing space and time for those things to unfold? Okay, number five, peace of mind can be bought and sold. This one is one that I have really, really come to realize in my life recently. I think the busier that you get and the, you know, the more, the deeper into entrepreneurship you go and the more responsibilities that are put onto your plate, the more that you really realize, holy shit, like, yes, peace of mind can be bought and sold. And this is like, you realize why people that have more access or more resources in terms of financials, why they're willing to pay so much extra for things that are simply just convenient or comfortable. We are willing to pay so much money if something is more convenient for us or more comfortable. And also if you're a business owner or you have a a service of some kind, even just thinking about that, integrating that into your service or what you offer, knowing that that's something that wealthy people really value and probably all people to be honest, but it's just sometimes it's only accessible to wealthier people because of how much those things tend to cost, right? Think about like a a first class ticket on a plane. It's like, why is that so much more expensive and why are people willing to pay for it? It's because of the convenience and the comfort, right? Of being able to get on the plane and have your own space and lay down and take a nap and eat good food and have a more private, cleaner bathroom and whatever. The whole experience is just elevated. And so people are willing to spend lots of money on that kind of stuff. But To go back to our original point of like how peace of mind can be bought and sold, I think a business class ticket is a good example of how you can buy peace of mind because you're going to go on that travel experience so much more relaxed knowing I'm going to be able to get a good night's rest on this overnight eight-hour flight to Europe or to Asia or wherever we're going, right? Other examples are like paying for a security system in your home. That gives people peace of mind and it's a a version of how you can buy that. I even think things like health insurance and car insurance, those are versions of buying your peace of mind because you are more relaxed and calm knowing that if something were to happen, you have this sort of safety net in place. Examples of selling peace of mind and how you can actually, yeah, how that can be sold in my, in my life, I feel like the most prominent example that comes to mind for me is like signing a misaligned client 
because you want the money, which a lot of you will be able to relate to because I know there's a lot of coaches and service providers and people that um, are entrepreneurs or want to be in the audience. So if you think about like, oh, how can I sell my peace of mind, which is something that you obviously don't want to do very often or at all when it's avoidable, but signing a misaligned client because, oh, you know, it's good money you are selling your peace of mind, right? If you're someone who works in uh, another type of job, you work for somebody else, I'm sure you can think of versions in your career history where you have sold your peace of mind, you've agreed to be on a project or join a team or switch roles or take on additional responsibilities. You sold your peace of mind because you wanted the money or the reward or the recognition or whatever it was going to be that you were getting in exchange. And then ultimately when we do that, most of the time we find out, wow, that wasn't worth it. And we understand how much we actually value our peace of mind. And peace of mind can actually be more valuable than money, which is why we're willing to pay so much for it. (laughs) Number six, this one is from Alex Hermosi. I think that's where I first heard this one. He said, money loves speed, wealth loves time, Poverty loves indecision. So let's break this down into all three of these. Money loves speed, wealth loves time, poverty loves indecision. So the first one about money loving speed, I think about this, you know, from, from we're going to take that tackle this one from kind of a business perspective, right? So when I hear money loves speed, I think about moving quickly, giving fast replies to your customers, following up in a timely fashion with leads. What happens when you don't follow up in a timely fashion and you let something go for days or weeks? The lead is no longer hot. People are less likely to buy, right? So money loves speed, loves us moving quickly, being efficient at your job if you work for somebody else, right? You can get rewarded for that. You can get paid more if you do something in half the time as somebody else. Even, you know, delivering a service or accomplishing something for someone in less time is a good example of that is like Amazon. Why did Amazon blow up and become so big? It was because they figured out a way to condense the time between ordering and delivering. They were like, oh, we can do this and we can do it faster. And so now everybody goes to Amazon because we love the instant gratification of it's going to be on my doorstep tomorrow. And Amazon is obviously an enormous company. There's so much money there. So money loves speed. Why does money love speed? Because people are going to pay more for things that provide that instant gratification, right? Some more examples of this that I was I was trying to think like, okay, what are some other examples besides the Amazon one, which I think is pretty good. But if you think about things like even fillers and, and Botox, like all, essentially altering your face shape to be more aesthetically pleasing for whatever you feel is the, the beauty standard or whatever you're trying to whatever outcome you're trying to reach, you've got like the options are you can do like fillers and Botox or whatever, or maybe it's potentially even like a surgery of some kind, or you can do something like face yoga. And which of those two things are people going to pay more for? They're obviously going to pay more for the fillers and the Botox because it's more instant, right? You would probably have to be consistent with the facial yoga. You would have to download an app and follow it and do it every day and That takes energy and effort and time. And humans, we just want everything right away, right? So money loves speed. It comes back to this idea of like, we just want it faster. And so the things that can provide that speed, money flows towards. Okay, the second piece of this one was wealth loves time. True wealth is not about these fast transactions, right? Wealth, not just like money and and transactional like sales and things like that. But true wealth 
is not about the speedy transactions, but it's about that compound effect that happens over time, right? So that's why wealth loves time. If you think about things like investment properties, stocks, having a high yield savings account, compounded interest, like all of those things are the things that build true wealth and they take uninterrupted time. You can't be purchasing a stock and then selling it and then buying it. It's like, it has to be this uninterrupted time. It's a slow build. And so viewing wealth as a long-term game, there's these classic quotes like, um, the day you plant the seed is not the day that you eat the fruit, right? Or you're sitting in the shade today because someone planted a tree a long time ago. And those cliche like classic quotes are all this all a reflection of this idea that wealth loves time. And so remember, planting and nurturing the seeds of financial success now will lead to that shade or that fruit that you get to enjoy later in life. And that might look like you having freedom from debts or having a secure retirement or the ability to cover the cost of college for your children or travel the world or lots of these things, but it doesn't happen by getting rich quick. It is built over time by implementing things now. And the third piece of this one, which was that poverty loves indecision, what this means is just that the fastest way for you to repel money and wealth is to sit in indecision, right? When you are indecision, you are not a match for money, transactions, business, wealth, any of it, right? So doing something is going to be so much better than doing nothing. But, you know, most people are too scared to utilize what money they do have and take any level of risk with it, that they end up missing out on the benefits of doing so. And instead, they stay stuck where they are for many years, right? And so you could think about this from a really practical standpoint of all of the math. If you've ever learned about compound interest or investing in the stock market or any of that stuff, you know that it makes a huge difference if you start at age 25 versus if you start start at age 35, right? If you start at age 25, you could end up with like a million dollars for retirement. If you start at age 35, you could end up with maybe half a million or 600,000. I'm not doing actual math here, but you get the point. And these are, these are similar to some of the statistics that you'll see when you watch these sort of like financial videos that break it down for you. The importance of starting earlier. And again, having that time that allows you to build wealth, but we're not going to be able to have the time to build wealth if we're stuck in indecision and we're still thinking, Oh, I'm not making enough. I can't spend this money. I can't take that risk. I can't start this business. So poverty loves indecision. If you want to stay poor, then stay stuck doing nothing because you're convinced convincing yourself that you don't know what to do. And so instead of doing something, you're doing nothing at all, right? That's what that one really means. And maybe that's a really good kick in the butt for some of you that have big dreams for your life, not only about investing in stocks or whatever, but also about investing in yourself, which we'll get more into because some of these money secrets are about investing in yourself. It's like, is your indecision blocking you and keeping you stuck at that same financial level that you've been at for a while because you're too scared to take the risk or do something different. Okay, number seven. 
You get rich by taking a lot of risk with a little bit of money, and you stay rich by taking a little bit of risk with a lot of money. This is a a popular quote, and I tried to find who first said it, but I couldn't. So anyway, I'm going to repeat it one more time so that you really get the gist, right? And it, it flows beautifully off of what we were just talking about and how poverty loves indecision. And so many of us are averse to risk. And so we're not taking any risk with the money that we do have. And so we're staying stuck, right? So the quote is, you get rich by taking a lot of risk with a little bit of money. You stay rich by taking little risk with a lot of money. So when you are first starting out, you have nothing or close to nothing or not that much, right? So you end up risking it all or what feels like risking it all, right? Because it's going to be a big portion of your savings or the money that you've earned because you don't have that much yet, right? So you risk it all or the little bit that you do have in order to develop your skills, get closer to the right people, get in the room, have a seat at the table, learn the ropes, and hopefully make it big, right? But once you have something substantially built, once you, maybe this is like, um, once you have something substantial built, your behavior has to change, right? So if you have a big business or you've cultivated wealth at any level for whatever ways or reasons or however you've done it, it doesn't really matter. But once you've cultivated that substantial sort of um, financial position, your behavior has to change. You can't just be risking it all still, right? You've got to take more strategic moves. So you have more money, you have more resources, but you also have to be more critical and more strategic with the fortune that you've amassed. So having a lower risk profile backed by a larger amount of money is going to be how you maintain the wealth, right? How you AKA stay rich, which is what the quote says. So you get rich by taking a lot of risk with a little bit of money and you stay rich by taking a little bit of risk with a lot of money. But most people don't ever get rich for the same reason that we've just talked about, which is that they stay stuck in indecision and they don't do anything at all. And they're not willing to take a lot of risk with a little bit of money. Number eight, stop taking advice from people who are not where you want to be. I've talked about this on the podcast before, I think, because it's one of my favorite pieces of financial advice. And there's some nuance to this that I want to dig into because it's not only, it's not what it seems at the surface, right? So there's there's other versions of this. So if we think about like what it means to stop taking advice from people who aren't where you want to be, it doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, people who have different types of life lifestyles or, or values or businesses than you are not uh, good sources of advice, but it's really thinking about it in the sense of like people who are less abundant than you want to be are probably not the people that you want to be talking to about money or or talking to them about your moves that you're going to make or the type of investments that you're going to be making in yourself or in your business or in the stock or whatever, right? From people who have smaller dreams for your life than you do. If they have a smaller vision or dream or potential in their mind of what your life can be than what you do, then they're probably not the types of people that you should be having those conversations with. And when I think about like an example of this in my own life, 
I think about when I was just about a year into my business and I wanted to join this high-level mastermind. It was $20,000 and it was the most amount of money I'd ever spent in my life. And I was, I, I almost like couldn't believe it for myself because I knew how ridiculous it would sound to everybody else, right? I was like, that's literally a car. Like that's literally all of my student loans that I could pay off if I didn't do this thing. But I knew again that it was something that had an ROI, right? It wasn't just spending money. It was investing it because there was going to be such a return on the connections that I made, the skills that I built, the lessons I learned, all of it. And so I was very particular in that I did not consult anyone before I invested these $20,000 into my business because I knew that it wouldn't make sense to them. There was no reason for me to call my parents and say, hey, what do you guys think if I spend these $20,000 on a coaching program, right? They, they didn't grow up in this world of digital online businesses. They didn't grow up where, where it was normal for people to have coaches and mentors. I know that they have a different perception of what safety and smart investments look like when it comes to money. And so that doesn't mean that they are wrong. It just means that they were not the right people to consult about that decision. And so I didn't do that. I I just didn't ask them if they thought it would be a good idea because it wouldn't matter if they thought it would be a good idea or not because they are not the people that would understand it or that have gone down that path or know the 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 power in it. And I already did. I already knew the power in it. So I didn't need to consult anyone about it. I knew that other people, if I talked to my friends or anyone else in my life, I knew that they would have certain fears or perceptions from their own lived experiences that just were not applicable to what I was doing or where I was trying to go. Right. And so I didn't ask. (laughs) And that's a great illustration of this point of stop taking advice from people who aren't where you want to be. And it's not just taking the advice, but it's asking for the advice. And I also think when we talk about asking for advice, like people assume that this means explicitly asking people for advice, like, hey, mom, hey, friend, hey, neighbor, do you think this is a good idea for my life? But most of the time, this like asking for advice or taking advice from people who aren't where you want to be is a little bit is a little bit sneakier than that, right? Like it finds its way in through other doors. So this principle, it doesn't necessarily have to refer to you outwardly asking for someone's advice of is this okay or not okay or what do you think, but more so even just entertaining the types of conversations that would allow someone who is not where you want to be to insert their opinions and fears into your decision-making process, right? And so it's about protecting your energy, protecting your goals and the vision that you have for your life by being selective with who you share what information with. And so you may not be asking people for advice on things, but somehow you end up receiving that unsolicited advice. And so there is where we go, okay, and how did I get myself into that scenario? How did I open the doors or not have boundaries or start a conversation that led to that direction that allowed me to be in a space where someone would feel that it was appropriate to insert their opinion or their fears over my financials or what I choose to do with my money or my goals or the vision that I have for my life, right? And protecting yourself in that way. So not just stop 
stop taking advice, but also stop putting yourself in situations where other people's unsolicited advice is going to be inserted into your decision-making process. Number nine, energy flows where attention goes. This is an OG, another classic manifestation principle. But when we think about it from a money perspective, right? Money is energy. And therefore, it will be flowing in the direction of your most ingrained thought patterns, aka where your attention is. Your most ingrained thought patterns is where your where your attention is, and therefore, money is going to flow in that direction. So what this looks like is if all of your attention is going towards focusing on how broke you are or how much you can't afford things, right? It's like, oh, I wish I could have that, and I wish I could have that, and it's so annoying, and how I can't afford this, and blah, blah, blah then that is where the energy is going to flow, right? So it's putting a magnifying glass over those types of thoughts and making you see more and more of that. It's going to make you see more of the annoyances. It's going to make you see more of how much you can't have or the things that you can't afford. It's just going to make you see more and more lack all around you. And so what that means is, does that mean that you're going to get poorer? Not necessarily. Your actual circumstances, like your physical circumstances of your life or your job or your salary or whatever, it might not necessarily get worse, but it will appear worse to you because of the attention and energy that's being channeled towards those feelings of lack. It will appear worse to you. Even if everything is the same, your life will appear and feel worse worse. And that's the problem. That's where the problem begins. Because when your life feels like it's full of lack and it feels worse and worse, that's what you continue to see more of. And that's what you continue to attract. And that's the energetic frequency that you are vibrating at. And so that's obviously not what we want, right? And so you might think, oh, like it's not that important. Like how could a thought really affect that much? But this is the sort of domino effect that takes place. But the good news is, is that the opposite is also true because you might be thinking, oh, well, if I think positively about money, am I just going to get a raise at my job miraculously? No. But if your attention goes towards gratitude, opportunity, possibility, even if your actual circumstances don't immediately change, it is going to appear as though things have gotten better and the fog has lifted because you are less bogged down by this idea that there is so much lack and so much that you can't have and so much that you can't do because you've directed your attention towards the gratitude and the opportunity and the possibility. So even if things in your life haven't physically changed yet, it will appear as though they have gotten better. And it will feel as though things are getting better, which allows you to pour even more energy into those positive thoughts and feelings, right? Oh my God, I feel a difference. I'm waking up a little bit lighter. Things are better. I'm finding positive things at my job. Like this is working. The more that you tell yourself that it's working, the more that it actually works, right? And so even more energy is going towards these positive thoughts and feelings. And therefore it is making you a match for money. And it's allowing you to see more opportunity and attract 
the types of people or conversations or opportunities or get in the right rooms that are going to help you make that eventual physical shift of your circumstances where you do start making more money or you make a change in your career or you start getting better clients or making more money in your business or whatever it is, right? So you can see how it's not just have a positive thought and more money appears, but there's a real energetic impact that all of these things have. So another way to look at this of energy flows where attention goes is that money flows to those who give it the most attention and care. If energy flows where attention goes and money is just energy, we can change this statement to money flows where attention goes. And so if you are putting a lot of attention and care towards money in your life, it will flow there. So think of Think of money like a relationship when we're talking about this concept here particularly. If you think of money like a relationship, you can ask yourself these questions of how are you treating it, right? We're talking about attention and care. So if we're considering that I am in a relationship with money, we would then want to know, okay, and how am I treating this person, um, entity that I'm in a relationship with? How am I treating money? How... Am I talking about money? How do I talk about money behind money's back? (laughs) Uh, What are my dominant feelings towards money? Does this feel like it's a positive relationship or are there some weird things going on? Um, How often do I check in on my money? Am I just like super avoidant and unavailable to my money? When I do check in on my money, if I go and look at it or I open my bank account or I spend it, Like, how is that experience? Are we having a good time together? Do you spend time with your money? And if you do, do you even want to be there? Like when you're, let's say you're spending money, that could be, wow, that's cute. Spending time with money is spending money. (laughs) So are you, do you want to be there when you're spending money? Or you're like, oh, this is a painful experience. Just take the money, ignore it, like look away. I was actually shopping the other day and I bought quite a few items and so my total was a couple hundred dollars and I was at this clothing store and the the cashier was like um told me the total and then I took my credit card out and I was swiping it or tapping it as you do nowadays I was tapping it and he was like just avoid and he was like trying to be funny and I got it and I I didn't get weird with him like no don't avoid money But I just shared with him, I go, you know, whenever I spend money, I like to say every dollar I spend comes back to be multiplied. And then it feels like a fun experience. I'm like, okay, so this $500 is going to come back to be multiplied. Epic. And I shared that with him. He was like, wait, I really like that. So there are a lot of people that are still in this mindset of like, oh, if I just shield myself from it, if I don't look at it, if I don't think about it, I didn't just spend $500. Ah, like as if you could just block it out and it's not happening. That's not actually working. So when you are spending time with money or spending money, do you even want to be there? Are you in a good energy or are you avoidant of it? Are you trying to block out that time that you're spending with money? Are you potentially one of those people that's a little over controlling with the money and you won't let it out of your sight? Is that the kind of relationship that you would want to be in? Probably not. Are you dismissive? towards money or trying not to feel anything at all when it comes to money. Like we just said, like, oh, just ignore it, right? Is that the kind of relationship you'd want to be in? No, right? So these are just some other ways to look at this general idea or money secret of energy flows where attention 
goes. Number 10, anything you invest in yourself, you get back tenfold. And this is a Warren Buffett quote. And I just love that like the world's top investor is talking about not only investing, I mean, a lot of his content and work and quotes and all of his things from his lifetime are about investing in the stock market, but that he also sees the value in investing in yourself. So the quote is, anything you invest in yourself, you get back tenfold. And so unlike other assets or investments, this is something that Warren Buffett says, nobody can tax it away. They cannot steal it from you. So the investments that you make in yourself, again, they have a massive ROI because it's all for you to keep. It is all up for grabs. The stock market can go up and down and all around and do whatever the fuck it wants to do. But when you have unwavering self-trust, you know that you are your safest asset. You are your safest investment because you're solid. You always show up. You put in the work. You give your best. You keep getting up and trying again no matter how many times you get knocked down. And when you know that, there is no reason not to invest in yourself. There's no reason not to bet on yourself because it's a winning game. It's like, why would you not, right? Anything you invest in yourself, you get back tenfold. We love it. Thanks, Warren. Okay, the last one, number 11, money has always and will always be there for me. And this is something that I started to affirm to myself and it was a really big shift for me. So I want to share it with you and I want to close on this one because I feel like it's a really powerful one. Um, You know, we spend a lot of time being angry or potentially annoyed with money because of all of the stresses that we associate with it. And a lot of those are real. It's not that they're not. Um, But most of us rarely ever stop to kind of recognize that money has always been there for us. So many of us are fortunate and privileged enough to have always had a roof over our head, clean water to drink, something to eat, something to wear, some job or some possible way for us to make money, right? And yet we feel like money is always screwing us over or that it's letting us down or that it's never hanging around enough or there's, there's, it's not in large enough quantities for us to feel okay yet. But what if you could flip the script on that and go, wow, you know what? That is so real. Like money has actually always been there for me. Even when, and here's a key point, even when I hated it or I resented it or I actively ignored it, it still found its way to me in sufficient amounts so that I could get by and continue to learn my lessons and get to that next level of the video game. I mean, think about a time in your life when you were cutting it close or you weren't sure how you were going to pay a bill or make ends meet or pay off your debt or save enough for your emergency fund or be able to afford the family vacation that you really wanted to to give your family. If we think about those situations in our own unique experiences, a lot of times what we realize when we reflect is that in some way, somehow, money always found you. Be it through work that you were able to do, picking up extra shifts or a surprise check or a refund that came in the mail, or maybe a person in your life who helped you out and lent you money, whatever it was, 
but money found you. It always has and it always will. And this is a really, really powerful shift that so many of us can make right now. And if it's true on this small level, right, of like, yeah, okay, maybe, you know, money always showed up in a way so that I was able to just get by or make ends meet, but I want it to be more than that. Well, if it's true on this level, on this basic level, it can be true on a much higher level as well, where money finds you and is there for you in larger and larger amounts moving forward. Of course, if you're willing to do the deeper work around your relationship with money and wealth embodiment, why would that not be able to be true, right? So if we can switch this to money has always and will always be there for me, We can apply that lived experience that feels true for us on a basic level and go, okay, if it's true here and it's applicable here, why would it not be able to be true and applicable up here, over here in these larger realms with bigger numbers and bigger amounts of abundance? And the truth is that it can, but there's probably work that you have to do to learn those lessons to, again, get to that next level of the video game. So this is the end of our um, 11 secrets, but I want to remind you guys, if you fit, if you missed um, the free abundance activation workshop that we did yesterday, when this episode is coming out live, the workshop would have been yesterday for the Lionsgate. Don't forget to uh, check your inbox if you weren't able to come live so that you can watch the replay before it expires on Sunday, August 13th. If you missed the boat entirely and you're like, wait, I totally missed that. What the heck? I didn't sign up. And you want to, there's still time to get access to the replay recording. Just scroll down to the show notes below this episode and there will be a link there for you so that you can sign up and immediately get access to the video recording of that workshop. Super, super powerful. We've done this for three years now. It always really helps people, inspires them. It's the most powerful day, the lion's gate for manifestation. And so we really lean into those principles and start cultivating cultivating magnetism towards money and drawing in our manifestation. So if you want to take that uh, workshop, you still have time. But also, if you were there, you will know that there is a Lionsgate special that is going on right now so that you can save 44% on the money bundle. We're playing with this energy of the eight because the Lionsgate is eight, eight, and eight is the the number of abundance in numerology, and it's the infinity symbol. And so four plus four equals eight. So why not? We're giving you 44% off the money bundle. What is the money bundle? The money bundle is going to give you access to all three of my money courses. So you're going to get Wealth Calibration, Cosmic Cash, and the Energy of Money Masterclass. So Wealth Calibration is really like taking a divine feminine approach to the embodiment of wealth, tapping into your innate magnetism for money through the body. Okay, this is like an experience, this program. It is a four-week journey towards effortless manifestation where you stop chasing wealth and you actually start becoming it. It's so much fun. It's so juicy, so powerful. If you love embodiment work and feminine energy, you are going to love this program. The second one is Cosmic Cash, and this is a four-week money mindset course that's designed to help you unlock your true earning potential, right? So this is a cosmic journey because we're going to fuse both subconscious mind at work and astrology to help you heal your relationship with money and start reprogramming your mind and living in alignment with your astrological prosperity placements. That's another very fun one, super effective, easy to go through, amazing little course to like get you on your way with money and start manifesting and attracting those increases in 
finances. And the last piece of the money bundle is the Energy of Money Masterclass, which is a singular two and a half hour class to teach you the energetics of money, help you understand the neuroscience behind attracting more abundance, and show you some of the foundational practices that you can implement for money magnetism. So this is a singular class. It's jam-packed with so many tangible tips, mindset shifts, shadow work prompts, and an extremely powerful guided visualization experience for you at the end of it. So you get all of that with the money bundle and it's 44% off right now. So the bundle is usually $1,111, but you can grab it now while it's on sale for just over 600, which is such a freaking steal. I'm so excited about this. Um, and there's also an option if you're like, wait, I already have cosmic cash or I already did the energy and money masterclass. If you just want wealth calibration on its own, there is an option to just join wealth calibration and still save 44% on that program. So you can get it for less than $500, which is major. Okay. But what's worth noting here is that when you buy wealth calibration on its own, your access is limited to a certain time frame. But if you do the bundle where you get all three, you'll have lifetime access to all three programs. So if you're that kind of person that likes to go back to things, or you want to have a lot of time to do everything or repeat the program at some point in the future, do the bundle. Cause then you'll get the lifetime access. All you have to do if you're interested in this deal that's going on right now is click the link in the show notes below this episode. Just scroll down, click see more, and there will be a link there for you to um, add the money bundle or wealth calibration. There's also a link in my bio on Instagram at underscore Samantha Daily. You're going to use the code LIONSGATE all caps Lionsgate at checkout and that will save you 44%. This deal is going to run until the end of the Lionsgate portal period. So you have until August 13th to make your move if you are wanting to do some deep money mindset reprogramming and wealth embodiment work with me. All right, you guys, that is it for today. I hope you enjoyed this success series. If you loved this episode or any of the episodes in this series, please go leave a review on Apple. Let us know what was your favorite of this series or any of your favorite episodes for the show those reviews really help us leave five stars if you feel inclined i love you so much thank you for continuing to share the show and listen and i will talk to you next week bye